0: Tuesday, April the 5th. And this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, new attention to war crimes and Europe weighs further sanctions. First, the World In Brief. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, accused Russia of using propaganda to try and cover up war crimes carried out by its troops in recently occupied parts of his country. Mr Zelensky will address an emergency meeting of the UN Security Council on Tuesday. He is expected to talk about his visit to Bucha, near Kiev, where 300 civilians are thought to have been tortured and killed. On Monday night, Joe Biden, America's president, said evidence should be gathered for a war crimes tribunal. Russia claims that the allegations are based on a hoax. Western leaders are weighing further sanctions in response. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, called for a ban on imports of Russian oil and coal, but not gas, which is a vital fuel for several European countries, including Germany and Italy. Germany's defence minister, however, suggested that even gas imports should be stopped. America and Britain promised to ramp up other measures against Russia's economy. The International Committee of the Red Cross said its workers were detained Monday while on their way to Mariupol to help evacuate residents from the besieged port city. Mariupol's mayor, Vadym Boishanko, said Ukrainian officials are working to secure their release. Mr Boishanko also said 90% of the city's infrastructure has been destroyed and some 130,000 people remain trapped there. Russia's President, Vladimir Putin, signed a decree introducing stricter visa rules for citizens from EU and other European countries it considers, quote, unfriendly, including Norway and Switzerland. All countries on Russia's list of, quote, unfriendly countries, which includes all of the EU, as well as America, Australia, Britain, Canada, Japan, New Zealand, Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan and Ukraine, may eventually face new restrictions. Most airlines are not currently operating flights to Russia. Other news. Sri Lanka's president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, appointed a new finance minister and a new governor for the central bank. Their predecessors, with the rest of his cabinet, have resigned in the face of a precipitous balance of payments crisis and violent protests. Mr Rajapaksa tried to stave off political collapse by inviting the opposition to join him in government, suddenly an unappealing prospect. The COVID-19 testing campaign underway in Shanghai detected at least 13,000 new cases, with the immediate effect of tightening the lockdown of China's financial hub. However, many of the infected are asymptomatic. The country's zero-COVID approach demands that Shanghai's ordeal be extended indefinitely. The city's 25 million residents were already struggling to procure staples. A poll suggested France could face a close runoff in its presidential election. Emmanuel Macron, the president, would lead Marine Le Pen, a far-right candidate, in a potential second round runoff by just three points, it predicted. The first round will take place on April 10th. America's Senate struck a $10 billion deal to fund domestic COVID-19 research, treatment, vaccination and testing. The deal does not include any money to fight the pandemic abroad. And Elon Musk, the boss of Tesla and SpaceX, became one of Twitter's biggest shareholders after buying a 9.2% stake, worth almost $3 billion when markets closed on Friday. Twitter's share price rose by about 25%, before the opening bell on Monday. Turkey's annual inflation rate rose above 61% in March, the highest in 20 years. A fuel crisis means transport costs are 99% higher than they were last year, while food is 70% higher. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's obsession with growth and reluctance to raise interest rates mean costs are expected to rise further. And now, here's today's agenda. Musk buys a stake in Twitter. Always good for surprises, Elon Musk, the boss of Tesla, an electric car maker, and SpaceX, a launcher of big rockets, served up another on Monday. A regulatory filing showed that he had bought 9.2% of Twitter, a social media platform, making him the firm's largest shareholder. Twitter's share price soared by 25% before markets opened. Mr. Musk's tweets have often moved markets. Now, the question is what he wants to do with his investment. Mr. Musk did not announce any big plans in the filing, but he has made, or rather tweeted, ominous comments recently that Twitter is not doing enough to protect free speech and that its algorithms should be, quote, open source, supposedly meaning users should decide how their tweets are filtered. Expect more surprises. Perhaps Mr. Musk just wants the firm to change its ways, but he might want to take it over entirely. He recently said he is, quote, giving serious thought to launching a social media platform of his own. Japan gets tough on Russia. Sanctions barring the export of luxury goods, such as high-end cars and jewellery, from Japan to Russia, take effect on Tuesday. They are part of a package of measures that marks a dramatic shift in policy since the invasion of Ukraine. Japan had long sought friendlier relations with its neighbour than had Western countries, in part to facilitate negotiations for the return of four inhabited islands that Russia seized in the final days of the Second World War the Japanese response to the annexation of Crimea in 2014 was muted. But now it has imposed tough sanctions and even sent bulletproof vests to Ukraine's army, a break with pacifist precedent. The public overwhelmingly supports these measures. Officials hope a strong stance on Russia will ensure that Japan can count on Western solidarity in the case of a security crisis in Asia. But the policy shift creates tensions too. Japan imports 8% of its natural gas from Russia. And its neighbour recently held big military drills on the disputed islands. China honours the dead online. Tuesday is the Qingming Festival, when Chinese families remember those they have lost by sweeping their tombs. Once again, many of these ceremonies will happen online this year. Several local authorities have banned such gatherings amid an Omicron outbreak. The funeral industry has adapted, offering cloud tomb-sweeping services. Customers can buy virtual candles for online memorials. Critics say Qingming is becoming commercialised. But the zero-Covid strategy that makes virtual tomb-sweeping necessary is a source of far greater ire. In Shanghai, where most of the 26 million residents are in indefinite lockdown, residents complain of shortages of food, water and medicine. Last month, a nurse died, not of Covid, but of asthma, having been turned away from her own hospital's emergency room because it was shut for disinfection. Many Chinese joke that they are more afraid of quarantine than infection. For those who have seen lockdowns take rather than save lives, it is no laughing matter. Paying for Partygate? The scandal over parties held in Downing Street and Whitehall, the heart of British government, during the country's COVID-19 lockdown has returned to haunt Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. A series of gatherings breached rules in place at the time. The Metropolitan Police is investigating 12 events and has begun issuing £50, $65 fines. About 20 were handed out in an early wave. Among those to get one was Helen McNamara, the government's then head of propriety and ethics. I am sorry for the error of judgment I have shown, she said in a statement. If Mr Johnson himself receives a fine for one of a series of boozy gatherings held in his office, he will face calls to quit. But he is unlikely to do so. The government hopes the public are starting to forget the affair, faced instead with rising bills and war in Ukraine. Simon Hart, the Welsh secretary, said, quote, The world has moved on a considerable distance. Redefining American Identity in Art What does it mean to be American? The Whitney Biennial has grappled with that question since 1932. The exhibit in New York City has at times reinforced the country's prejudices and pushed against stubborn definitions of who and what is American. In this year's installation, Quiet As It's Kept, Curators embrace the nuances of the American experience. Artists such as Charles Ray, Jonathan Berger and Woody D'Othello contribute to the broad spectrum of art on display. Abstraction takes precedence over tradition. Artists play with varying mediums. Internal walls on the Whitney's fifth floor were replaced by hanging tapestries, a plastic kitchen and oversized clay objects. The open plan layout fosters a collective experience. Upstairs offers a stark contrast. Dark walls and low ceilings enclose the viewer. The curators boldly underscore the challenges brought on by a pandemic, political turmoil and racial justice issues and open up the possibilities of what it means to be American today. daily quiz. Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What was the original British term for chaff, the metal strips thrown out of aircraft to confuse enemy radar? Monday. Which 1990s pop group had hits such as 5678 and Stomp? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alan Ginsberg, who died on this day in 1997. Follow your inner moonlight. Don't hide the madness. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber,